My name is David, and this is The Big Shut-In. So one of the things about the past month and a half is that it's been some kind of crazy giant game of freeze tag. It's not like we all planned for the catastrophe and packed appropriately and then headed down into our bunkers, you know, it, everything just kind of stopped, you know, I mean, for me, it went from thinking this was all people overreacting to everything being shut down in a week, you know, that the actual decision that, okay, no, this is what we're doing. We have to do this now. The kids aren't going to school tomorrow. We're not going to work. The real decision there happened in a matter of hours. It was in the course of one day, really. And so for all of us, we all just kind of stopped in place where we were. Whatever wheels had been turning in our lives just had to be, the brakes had to be put on right there. And many of us are living lives where we're living six months in the future, you know? I mean, we we're activating plans that we know we're going to pan out later on. And it's been a funny thing to just kind of be frozen wherever you were on March the 16th. That's where you are. Today's guest has a, what I thought was a particularly interesting story. Lindsay Heather Pierce is a singer, a dancer, uh, a theater performer. And she had been making a living at that for a while. She'd done some television some regional theater, worked on a cruise ship for a while. But then she got an unambiguous big break, the call to go to Broadway. And not just to go to Broadway, to go to Broadway to play the lead in one of the biggest, longest-running shows in the history of New York theater. She won an audition to come to New York to play Elphaba in Wicked on Broadway. And that's the kind of call that every performer waits for their whole lives and 99.5% of them never get. It's like being a first round NFL draft pick. Is someone handing you a career in one fell swoop to perform your craft in front of the most demanding audiences at the highest possible level and to be a star on that stage. And she came and she did it. And then about three weeks later, whoop, freeze, stop where you are, frozen. That was kind of an obtuse Dina Menzel joke, but I'll just let it sit there. But anyway, it's a heck of a story. And here's Lindsay to tell it. So, how are you today? You know, <laughs> I'm good. Where, where are you in this world? I am in Southern California. I'm in Orange County. I, my partner lives <clears throat> out here very close to Disneyland. And, I, and I've been, before I moved to New York for Wicked, I lived in Southern California for like 10 years. So you're, you're, you're safely, you, you made it back yeah. to the left coast. Yeah. Somehow. Tell me, I, I, tell me, tell me this whole saga. Please. Um, I, the whole saga of, um, of, of your big break that broke. Yeah. The big, 
the big break that's very broken. Um, it, I auditioned for Wicked in November of last year. It was November 18th, I think. I just remember it was a Monday. And did a callback on that Wednesday and then went in one more time at like 9.30 in the morning um, at the casting, the Telsey and Company casting offices on Wilshire Boulevard in L.A. And uh, something happened to the tape. And then I heard nothing. I heard nothing about it. And my agent was like, you know, if they, if they move forward, you're probably going to fly to New York and yada, yada. So I didn't hear anything for like a month. And I was like, you know, I'm just so glad that was my first Broadway audition. I've always wanted to be in a room like that. And I got to be in the room like that. And I felt good about what I laid out. So I'm so happy next time. We'll get them next time. And then uh, January 2nd, my agent called me and she was like, hey, do you want to move to New York and play Elphaba and Wicked on Broadway? And I was like, what are you saying to me? This was your this was your call to the big leagues. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd never I'd never auditioned for Broadway before. And I was in the middle of rehearsing for a Nightmare Before Christmas themed burlesque show that was going to play through Halloween and Christmas time and then got the email that I was going to do Wicked, and I was like, wow, what a 180 this would be. <laughs> would well, be so that's... From doing kind of like guerrilla burlesque theater to, to Broadway, and then lo and behold. Wow. I, I had just never, I'd just never been in the room. And what, what were you thinking? I mean, how did that go? Tell me, what happened next? Um, so the email for the audition kind of knocked me on my ass. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope they like me in this audition. I hope, I hope that this opens doors for more auditions. It was really my, was, it was the only way that I could think. Because I, I would never assume that me, someone from kind of nowhere, with no credits in terms of, you know, big, huge professional stage, um, I would never assume that I'd go in and, like, book Broadway or book the tour. Maybe a standby or, like, an understudy or something, but never, never the full the full shebang. So the auditions happened and then I kind of went on with my life and I got a call from my agent and then got the email forwarded of the deal of the offer. And I was like, what, <laughs> what's happening? Like I truly couldn't believe that people got calls like that, that people got calls to say, Hey, you've booked one of the biggest female roles in one of the biggest and longest running shows on Broadway. And I was like, this can't be real. And I remember waking up the next day after calling my mom and my best friend, Emma, who's a former Alphaba, um, and my partner. And everyone was like, oh, of course. They were like, no way, but also, of course. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I woke up the next day and immediately checked my email to make sure that that email was still in there. Yeah. And then within, I got that, I got that call in the email on the 2nd of January, and I was on a plane on the red eye on the 26th, I landed the morning of the 27th in New York, and then I started work the next day. And then I opened wow. the 25th of February. I mean, it was a whirlwind. It still is. This whole this whole experience leading up to me talking to you on the phone has been a whirlwind. <laughs> will, absolute want, tornado. I want more. I want the whole thing. So you're, oh my God, okay, we got this. Uh, you're big, and then what, do you find an apartment? Like, what do you, where are you living? Like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, yeah, I had to, I had, I was uh, packing up my life here and kind of waiting to hear what was going on. So in, I guess in certain people's deals, 
it just kind of depends depends on the contract that you're drawing up and and negotiations and stuff. But um, because I was basically transplanting from Los Angeles to New York, they found an apartment for me in Midtown, very close to the theater, and they did all of that. Like they went and they looked at the apartments and they they took care of all of it. And then I was every single day except for Mondays when Broadway was dark before the true dark times. But yeah, every single day I was rehearsing from like anywhere from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. There's a lot to learn. I remember doing the calculation um, leading up to opening. If I took out every single day off that I had, I I rehearsed and you just like put all the rehearsal days in a row. I had rehearsed for about 22, 23 days until I opened, which is insane that I spent rehearsing. well, it's a big part, right? I mean, it's, it's a huge big... part. The 23 days, like I, I'm used to, you know, two months or, or you know, like time. And, uh, but when you, when you're living in this kind of dome of, of the work and then, and then suddenly I wasn't rehearsing anymore. I was doing it in front of an audience and, and, uh, it was like being shot out of a cannon. I remember taking my bow, taking my bow with Jenna Claire, who plays my, Jenna Claire Mason is my Glinda on Broadway. And we took our bows and the curtain went down and the whole cast was like, yay, Lindsay. And I was like, oh my God. And Alexandra Billings, who plays Madame Morrible in the show, grabbed me by the hands and grabbed me by the face, which is, inc- which is a crazy thing to think about now. Um, but she did. And she was like, how do you feel? And I was like, I'm devastated. And so happy. And she was like, absolutely. I was like, I'm just so like, oh, I was so overwhelmed and like physically devastated. Like I was so tired and I couldn't believe what I had just accomplished and what I had just been able to accomplish with the whole cast. I mean, it was Wicked is a beast of a show. It's huge. It's in the biggest Broadway house in New York. There were so many people in that audience. Um, the sets, the crew, the, the orchestra, the, the costume, the hair, the wig, the makeup department—like it's 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 insane. It's it's a lot. You kind of live like a nun. You know, it, it, you have to have a lot of discipline. You have to be like, okay, I'm going home and I'm going right to bed and I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna drink water and I'm gonna steam and you know, you kind of you you really have a regimen and uh, and so to do that for a little under three weeks. And then for it all to just suddenly stop as you're kind of trying to get your momentum and trying to figure out the show because it's a huge part to finally kind of get in the groove of that. And then um, on the 12th, I think it was Thursday when we found out that everything was was shutting down, I got a text with the link to the Playbill article saying that Broadway was going dark starting that day at 5.30 p.m. And I was with my partner. My partner was visiting me and... Uh, in New York, and he was about to get into a cab to go to JFK to fly back to California to go to work. And I just looked at my phone, and then I showed it to him, and I went, am I not going into work today? And he was like, I have no idea. And I was like, what's going on? And was this sudden? I mean, was there was this was there a build up to that, or did it just? I never thought that the- it would go that Broadway would go dark. I think we all. I also, I was in a very specific position of, I was in like a cocoon of Elphaba. So I, I wasn't really paying attention to a lot of the news. I wasn't really 
whatever whatever our company managers would bring to us of like, hey, we're kind of starting to get worried about people doing stage door, we're going to shut stage door down, you know, and things like that of like, we don't want people touching each other and like exchanging hands. And then there was a meeting um, explaining that that they were doing everything they could in order to keep everything sanitized. They, there was extra hand washing stations and sanitizing stations and tissues and, you know, all kinds of things that, that the company provided for the workspace. And then, um, then there was a company meeting about um, no, no more guests backstage. Only people that work at the Gershwin will be in the, the workspace of the Gershwin. And, um, and then, yeah, we, that, that meeting happened, I think it was Friday or Saturday before, and we had our day off on Monday and then did Tuesday and then a, the two-show day on Wednesday, and then around 2.30 p.m. on Thursday, I got that text, and I was like, oh, my God, and then my stage manager called me, and Mary Beth Abel, and she said, hey, kiddo, so I'm sure you've already seen what's happening, and I was like, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is everybody okay? And she was like, I think so. But um, yeah, we're going to go dark. And at that point, we only thought it was going to be till like April 13th, I think it was. And then um, that's clearly come and gone. Um, so it's been, I mean, it's been a wild ride. Well, so what was, you, you get this, you, you go dark, you get, you. it's confirmed by the stage manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what, you just sit, you're just sitting in your apartment? Like, what do the next few days look like? Yeah, it was, well, because because we didn't realize or uh, we didn't know what the conversations were looking like the, in upper management and, the you know, the production company and producers and everybody. We, we didn't know what was happening with the Broadway League, Actors' Equity. I had no idea. And mind you, I'm completely new to all of this. I had to get my equity card to be in this show. Um I don't think I'd even ever. It's a hell of a way to get it. I have to say. Yeah, it's a, it is. It is a hell of a way. It's a hell of a way to to get your equity card. So I had no clue how anything worked. It this is this is all very new territory for me. So I was just kind of waiting for people to tell me what was going on, um, and to explain what was going on because there was some language, you know, in these emails that were used that I was like, I don't understand this jargon. Can someone tell me what's happening? So we were just kind of waiting for word of, you know, if, if we're going to be real, people were like, are we getting paid while we're not working? Um, do we need to file for unemployment? You know, if it's really just going to be a month, what's the point of filing for unemployment? And we didn't know what the time frame was going to be like. So everybody was just kind of hanging tight. Some people went home like immediately. I just kind of waited because I was like, well, I'm not going to fly to California for two weeks, you know, to then come back and I'm just going to, I'm just going to hang out for 30 days. I'm just going to work out and keep my voice strong and, you know, take my voice lessons and, uh, over the phone and, and it'll be fine. And then slowly, especially in New York, I mean, I'm sure you, you know, you're there, but it, it slowly started getting very real and very scary. And then we slowly started learning that, it was, we were not coming back in April, which we all kind of started figuring out. We were like, we're not going to come back in April, right? That would be really dangerous and not great. And then it was May and then June, um, as we've, as we've now found out and they've released all of that information. But yeah, and I was, I was quarantined. I was self-quarantined for, I think it was 18 days. And then I drove from New York to California. So there's 18 days. 
mm-hmm. by yourself oh, yeah. in Midtown. Yeah. Uh, what was that? I mean, what was Midtown like as all of this? I've been stuck in my house in Queens for more than a month now, which is yeah. insane to say. But what what was that like? I just remember not having the tools in which to process what, how I was feeling because what was happening was so unprecedented that my feelings were also unprecedented. So I, I almost felt, I explained this to my mom. I was like, I feel like I have been broken up with and I don't know who I was with. I don't, it's like, it's like, un, I don't know. It's like this unrequited thing where I feel like I've been Broadway. dumped. Broadway was dumping you. Yeah, Broadway dumped me, but, but like it wasn't Broadway, it was like the world. I don't know. It was like, it was really crazy. Right. It was a really crazy feeling. And then, um, and then as I, you know, I kind of started processing a little bit more and just instead of trying to fight what was happening, I just tried to like genuinely sink into like a space of acceptance of just like, well, what can I control? I can, I can be as upset as I want to be, but it's not going to like bring my job back or bring my cast back or anybody's job and cast and show, you know, or, or people's lives for that matter. And um, so I tried to stay really, really calm. And then that calmness and that kind of like, I genuinely reached a space of Zen. And then within about a week and a half, Things started getting really weird in Midtown. Um, I went out twice for groceries, and um, one, it's very difficult to keep any sort of space between people. The grocery stores are, you know, you're shoulder to shoulder with everybody. It's very tight in there, and everybody was wearing that. Like it looked like a horror movie, and everybody was wearing masks. There was plenty of food. There was no toilet paper. There was no hand sanitizer to be found anywhere, but there was plenty of food and it was just like people, people trying not to touch each other, but how do you not? Because the space is so small and, and um, you could look down any Avenue or any street and you could see the end. Whereas there were no cars, there was no people, there were no cars. Um, I walked, I walked by myself at night one time to Times Square and it was empty. Wow. Yeah. Driving out of the city was really weird. Drove out on a misty morning at like 10 a.m. on a Sunday, and uh, there was no traffic. Driving across the, the country, there was literally no traffic. There was nobody on the roads. I mean, it was really weird. When was this? I drove from March 29th to uh, Los Angeles on the 1st of April. So what what made you decide to leave finally we found out that it was going to be longer than than we'd all anticipated and uh there was no way to keep my housing um so that as it as it drew closer to the beginning of another month of rent uh wicked was like well if if we're not working we're not gonna we're gonna keep the apartment but we're not gonna like keep keep the apartment so there was no need for me to stay. Um, and then, so as we, as we were kind of negotiating that of like, well, does that mean I need to go? Does that mean I can still stay? Um, is the housing just going to be kind of on hold for a little while and I'm not at that unit? Um, and that kind of went back and forth. It slowly, it basically slowly became kind of um, obvious that I kind of had no choice but to go. 
And then um, I woke up one morning and had seen that the numbers of cases had doubled overnight. And I called my mom and I was like, um, I'm not comfortable with flying, but I'm going to let you know that I'm going to rent a car and I'm going to come back to California. And she was like, okay, great. Um, and I said, I'm going to be as safe as I possibly can. I'm going to wear a mask and wear gloves. And people might get really pissed at me for this, but I think that it's the safest thing for me to do to be back in Cal. Because if something were to happen to me or to the people closest to me and I was stuck in New York, that would be really difficult. And I don't know anybody in New York. Um, I've never lived there. It just got really dire and it, and, um, it seemed like I was in, um, I was between a rock and a hard place. So it was kind of either I stay and pay a very high rent on my own without the help of my company, without a job, without, without the means of making any money to be able to pay that rent and, and possibly get sick while alone in New York. Cause it just seemed like if you were in Manhattan, you were going to get sick and like, good luck. So basically it was kind of like either stay and um, maybe really screw screw yourself over a little bit or go home to the people that you know and quarantine there. So So what was that trip like? Where did you where did you stay? Yeah, I so I stayed I drove from New York to Indiana, uh Indianapolis and then to Oklahoma City and then Albuquerque and then Los Angeles and I stayed in hotels every time and self-checked in got into the hotel and sanitized everything down and then got up and sanitized everything before I left and I don't think anything came into that car that I didn't rub in a Clorox wipe and that was I mean it was it was the first time I'd ever driven from coast to coast it was my first time ever doing a big road trip like that and I wish it was under better circumstances. Uh, I'll never forget the sunset driving into Indianapolis. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It, like truly stunning. And I was like, wow, I'm going to remember this. But, it, you know, as you drive through these highways and these freeways and, and stuff and you see, you know, the big electric signs hanging over, hanging over the, the roads that say stay inside, you know, sanitize COVID-19. It was like, Jesus Christ. This is absolutely insane. Absolutely, absolutely insane. So what what's your status right now in relation to the show? Um, oh, in terms of like coming back and stuff? But I mean, are you on, are you still on payroll? Are you still, are they, do you still have a contract with them? I mean, what, yeah. how does that so I, I know that I know that I do. Um, we received emails. I'm not really sure how much I'm supposed to say, but like it's kind of public record. Um, we we all received emails of let us know if you do not want to suspend and extend, which basically means for now your contract is suspended, but when we're allowed to come back, we'll basically make up the difference of whatever you didn't get to do in the months that we lost um, in your contract. So say say my you know, say I was like June to February or something like that. And I missed out on four months of, of performing or however many it's going to be. Um, I would get those four months back. Um, they would just basically, basically it's pretty much what it says, just to spend and extend. So I don't, I don't know who all has chosen to do that, but that was an option given to us of this sucks. You have a job if you want to have your job back and then, you'll get those months that you missed 
um, which I thought was really great of of them to do. But you're not so so you're not getting paid now. No. But when you go back, they will give you back pay for what you. Not quite back pay. They they. They will extend your contract for that number of months again. Yes, exactly. So it's not like I, I lost four months of work. If uh, the world has lost four months of work. So when you come back, like example, I was supposed to be on from February 25th to sometime in November. So now if we come back in June, you know, or if we were to come back in May or something like that, I would go through the whole year and then be done. I had a nine month contract. So I'd only done about two and a half, three weeks of that contract. So I basically would just kind of, I'm assuming kind of start over really. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's bonker. It's bonkers to talk about out loud. It's really, it's really weird, but yeah. So is your plan to come back and do the show again when it reopens? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 No question. Yeah. Whenever, whenever we're back, I, I'm, I'm going to be back with them. For sure. You know, I mean, I was, I, I, I misspoke severely earlier. Oh, I apologize no. when I said that Broadway broke up with you because clearly it didn't. <laughs> Broadway loves you still. No. It wants you back. Yeah, um, no, it's um, COVID-19 is a home record. It's what's happening. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, they've, oh. they've been, they've been really amazing. And the Actors' Equity in the Broadway League has been it's been it's been really heart heartwarming and touching to see how hard they fight for everyone that works on Broadway, not just the actors or I mean it's all of the unions are working really, really hard to take care of everybody and that's I mean that's what unions are for, I guess, but there's been a lot of humanity and that's been um encouraging. I am in a better position than most people that I know. And it is not lost on me that that is very privileged and I am very lucky and I'm very thankful. I am not someone living in an abusive household that now can't get out. You know, I'm not, I'm not a a single mother with four children and, you know, whatever other situation it's, there's so much going on. I I do my best (laughs) to count my lucky stars, but God damn it. hard. <laughs> it is yeah. hard. I do my best to be hopeful, but I am tired. I have to, I have to make a to-do list every single night before I go to sleep or else I wake up the next day and be like, well, I guess my heart's beating. So I must be alive. Um, but I like, where's the purpose? It's very weird. Yeah. Well, anyway, on that note, thank you very much. Good luck. Stay healthy. Stay you safe. Too. And I look forward to coming to see you. On Broadway. Yes. Oh my Sometime God, in please. the future. Anytime. Would... And hopefully you'll be allowed to come backstage. I, you never know. Hopefully, I... hopefully that's, that's where the world's at by the time, by the time we're back, you just come on over and then you can come back and you can watch me desperately claw at my ears and try to get the green out with a Neutrogena face wipe. It's a, <laughs> it's a time and a half. <laughs> I, well, geez, you've really given me something to look forward to. So yeah, thank yeah, you yeah. for that. Yeah. 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 If that's, <laughs> If there's nothing else to look forward to, just think of that before you go to bed. <laughs> I, I, prob- I hope not, but I probably will. I know. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry and you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. My name is David Hoffman, and this is The Big Shut-In. If you'd like to hear a little bit of Lindsay's singing... 
I've posted a link in the show notes to a recording she made for broadwayworld.com while she was in quarantine in Manhattan. If you have feedback for me or a story you would like to share, you can reach me at thebigshutin at racecarradio.com.